You are listening to the Treasuring Christ Church podcast. At TCC, we believe that church isn't just like a family, but it is a family. We hope you're encouraged by listening to God's word today, but we would love to see you on Sundays at 1030. For more information, check us out online at tccannarbor.com. All right, so six weeks, uh, we're going to go through this book. Uh, actually, the first five weeks of the six, we're going to be talking about The Habits of Grace by David Mathis. Uh, has anyone heard of spiritual disciplines before? Uh, anyone familiar with it? Yeah, just got to show of hands. Good. All right, so we got a lot who are familiar with it. Uh, the good news is, uh, you know, even the most mature among us have only begun to taste the grace of God. That's what uh, David writes here in uh, page 24. But uh, where I want to start is just with a story, just an example. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the Voice of the Martyrs. Uh, it's uh, it's a really great uh, organization that just shares the stories about Christians today and how they've uh, how they're living and what their lives look like in persecuted countries and uh, just examples for us. So this first one is called Extreme Labor. This is uh, just an extreme devotional book they put out. It's actually they have a free app too. Uh, if you want to download it, you could get each of these stories every day. Uh, but this is from a person in North Vietnam called Brother Da. Brother Da was a faithful Communist Party member in North Vietnam when he first heard the Christian programs on his soft, soft, shortwave radio. At first, he rejected the ideas as stupid superstition, but after two months of listening, he could no longer resist Christ. He was excited about his love for God, and it seemed to overwhelm his heart. He soon won many of his neighbors to Christ. But his, his excitement was short-lived. On December 29, 1998, Vietnamese police, angered by Da's evangelistic activities, raided his house and led him out at gunpoint. His wife and four children could only watch as he was taken away to a prison camp. In the crudely constructed labor camp, Da was forced to work in the brick factory. Every day men carrying another 2,000 bricks. If Da did not meet his quota, he was brutally beaten. Just when he thought he could not take the labor anymore, he was released on October 15, 2000. Still under house arrest, Da was again ordered to stop sharing his faith. He was told, you have just returned from labor camp. Do you want to go back? Think carefully. But Da was committed to a labor of love for God. And he continued his work for sharing Christ with those around him. No physical labor, even carrying 2,000 bricks a day, could deter him. There's just some more encouragement uh, that the Voice of the Martyrs adds to this. Few people would admit they love going to work every day. For some, work is a necessary evil. However, those who labor while being God's witnesses have a completely different mindset. God's work is never drudgery, yet we are always on the clock, constantly laboring to advance the gospel elsewhere. He gives us energy for the task at hand and endurance when times get tough. Why do Christians labor at so hard? Is it, a, is it the paycheck? Is it the bonuses, perks, or other benefits? No, love motivates us to give our all to God in God's service. If you love Christ, you will gladly work for him. What, he, what has he called you today in his service? Uh, so just some encouragement to us. I thought that was a great example that we can just be reminded of. And as we go through this book, you'll see too, what is our motivation? And, and so that's what we're gonna be looking at here. If you can look at your handout. Um, Here's the schedule for the next six weeks for this session. We're going to do just an intro, just talk about uh, what is grace, what is means of grace, why uh, do we do them, how do we do them, and then we'll try to leave some time here at the end for discussion in the last 15 minutes. So try to be done by 10.15. 
Um, so yeah, uh, like Michael said, uh, I'll be back next week. We'll do hearing his voice. That's one of the three main principles that uh, Mathis tries to simplify for us as Christians, right? The real focus of his book is brevity. It's, is just making it clear and simple for us to live out. Because a lot of other books, they, they go into so much detail. There's so many different ways you can live out these habits and, and applications for us. But but Mathis tries to make it clear by doing a simple three-principle three approach, which is hearing his voice through the word of God, having his ear through prayer, and belonging to his body in fellowship. And we'll, we'll talk more about that. And then uh, uh, the last session will be on CODA, which, which is like, he talks about it's the effects of these three things. It's how you live it out through money, through time, through our mission. And then the last week here, we'll do the common rule by uh, what Mill Early is his last name. So yeah, let's, uh, before we jump into it all again, uh, some applications that, what's really cool about this is you could have the book for free online if you want. You can go to desiringgod.com and it's there. You can read it for yourself if you want to prepare for future weeks. Uh, make sure I'm not, and none of us are just making things up. Uh, but there's also a workbook uh, that's available too, which a lot of these questions and things are pulled from. Um, what's also really cool is because he wants to be so brief, he gives a lot more examples of, of places we can go if we want more information. Uh, one is John Piper's When I Don't Desire God. Um, TCC, interestingly enough, has done uh, an equipped class already on this. Uh, Chris Woods went through this all uh, the whole book in one hour <laughs> so it's it's really fast it's really clear and simple so if you're looking for more there it's really great I've, I've actually listened to it a few times now and it's been really helpful for this um, and then also uh, he points uh, Mathis points to Donald S Whitley uh, spiritual disciplines for the Christian life I've read this one too it's really helpful and gets really into really practical details of how to live these out. And lastly, Prayer by Timothy Keller. Uh, it's another great book of how to experience awe and intimacy with God. So, so before we jump into it, what's, what's his point? Why did he write this book? Uh, he, he says it clearly on page 18 in the book. He says, my prayer for you as you read this is that you would find the means of grace to be practical, realistic, and desirable in your pursuit of joy in Christ. My dream is that this book would serve you with simplicity, stability, confidence, power, and joy. His goal is not to overwhelm us, right? You're not trying to pull on, put on more tasks and say, okay, you gotta do this, this, and this, and this, right? This is this is a response to the good news of the God's grace of the gospel, right? And that's the key point here. The grace of God is gloriously beyond our skill and technique. The means of grace are not about earning God's favor, twisting his arm or controlling his blessing, but readying ourselves for consistent saturation in the role of his tithes. Um, so we're gonna talk more about that. One, uh, one quote that uh, Mathis puts in here is by David Piper too. The, the essence of the Christian life, life, writes John Piper, is learning to fight for joy in a way does that, that does not replace grace. Right? We're, we're constantly in this battle of, oh, do I have to do, right? Or there's a duty, but there's also this joy of who I am, who I've been called to as a Christian, right? That we can live out this grace of the gospel um, and fight for this joy. And so he's, he's trying to help us along that path of how do we live these Christian lives in response to the gospel. So what is grace? I think I think we got to define the terms first too, right? And he, he goes through this and gives a what grace is and what grace is and what does grace do? Uh, what is great means of grace mean? So let's let's make sure we're all on the same page here. What is grace? Well, you know the Bible talks about there's there's two categories theologians put the grace into. It's there's like a common grace and a special grace. 
the grace here we're talking about mostly is the special grace, is the uh, atoning grace. It's the it's the saving grace of Christ, right? Uh, the common grace is more like you know all of us, whether believers or non-believers, experience the beauty of God's sunshine, of of seeing the beautiful sunset, right? Um, uh, it's it's experiencing the love of a spouse. So like there's there's a, incredible ways uh, that can be called common grace. But the grace here again we're talking about is special grace, um, and it's central to Christian theology and living. Um, but what is it? It's simply put, uh, one of the clearest definitions I've heard is it's undeserved favor by God. It, it's something we can't earn, something we can't back, pay back, right? Uh, the Romans 6:23 said, "For the wages of sin is death." Right? That's bad news. That we have all been separated by God because of our sin, because of what we have done in rebellion to Him. Right? We've broken His laws. But the good news is that the gift of God—it's a free gift of His grace. It's not something we've done to earn, but something He's given to us in because of who he is and that's central to how we live as christians now what does this grace do um so there's three main things uh, mathis points to in here grace justifies us right there's justification justification is that because of faith in christ we are justified we are seen as righteous in god's sight because of what christ has done in our behalf that he's offered us his life in exchange for our messy sinful lives right so that when we stand before the father we will stand justified because of the blood of jesus and then what else does grace do? It, it sanctifies us. So now the response to that justification is how we live, that our efforts and our the ways we live is living in response to this sanctification, to this justification, that it's a growing in holiness, right? It's not that now we, we're perfectly holy and we don't need to do anything, right? It's uh, we want to live a holy and God-pleasing life to honor God and who he is. And then ultimately it will glorify us, that one day we will be made completely holy and glorified in Christ uh, in life eternal with God. And I think this Titus verse is really important for us, right? It, it talks about what grace is, and it talks about how it just motivates us to this sanctification, to this eventual glorification. So, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Uh, Mathis, when he talks about this, um, he talks about this means of grace, right? It's, it's this grace that that gives us his means of grace. It's the grace of God that gives us his means of grace for our ongoing perseverance and growth and joy this side of the coming new creation. And the grace of God inspires and empowers the various habits and practices by which we avail ourselves of God's means. Um, it's easy to get caught up in means of grace. Uh, there's a lot of uh, I want to be careful because uh, a lot of people interpret means of grace in different ways, right? We've heard of like means of salvation that you have to be baptized to be saved. You have to be taking Eucharist to be saved, right? But this is not what uh, Mathis is referring to in this book. That is not what uh, Protestant Christianity believes, right? That, that means of grace are God's promised channels of continuing grace received by faith. Uh, infinite grace is behind us, infinite grace lies ahead of us, and through his appointed means of grace, God is pleased to supply ongoing life and energy and health and strength to our souls. The means of grace fill our tank 
for the pursuit of joy, for the good of others, and for the glory of God. Uh, so these, these means of grace are biblical principles. It's what the Bible talks about for ways to, in, to know and enjoy Jesus more, to live out our justification and, and live in sancti- our sanctification too. Uh, so how, so these are the three main umbrellas like, that we're going to talk about in the next three weeks. Hearing his voice, right, through the word of God, we can hear God's voice. Having God's ear through prayer, we can, God hears us, we can communicate and talk with God, right, and pray to him, and then belonging to his body, the fellowship that we have with brothers and sisters in Christ. There's not a final and complete list of all these practices, there's actually a long tally, as, as Mathis says here. There's like innumerable ways where you can live out the practices uh, of habits of grace. But he wanted, to, again, to simplify this all under three main principles, to make it really clear for us, right, of of the word of God, of prayer, and of the body of the church as, as the three main principles in which we can align all these helpful habits under. Uh, one of the things I think was really cool in the book is that he really points to one Bible verse uh, that leads these three principles. It's this Acts 2.42, right, uh, that represents what early Christian life was like. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the, to the word of God, they, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, to the church, and the prayers, to, to praying to God, right? Those are the three main things that he's pointing to here, that, that we have the word of God that points us to as well. Uh, so that, that's really great. And again, just, just a reflection of what great means of grace does not mean. It does not mean the means of salvation. They don't. These things don't make us more fit to receive justification from God. Um, Wayne Grudem, in his book on systematic theology, he says, God only imparts grace where there is faith on the part of the persons receiving these means, not administered only by a select few, but carried out by all believers. Uh, it's a great privilege, right, that we have this opportunity to, to live out these means of grace. You know, it's not it's not drudgery, though it is a duty, right? We do have commandments of Christ, right, to go and make disciples of all nations. Go make disciples who make disciples, right? Evangelism is one of these habits that we are called to do, but they're not drudgery. They're, they are a sense of joy, a delight, a privilege that we get to participate in. Um, so how do we do them? If you flip over, no. What does it look like? He, he does a great job of giving us a lot of imagery, um, a lot of biblical examples as well. Um, I want to point to just one of the verses that always stands out to me when I think of disciplines is the Hebrews 12, 11 verse. Um, uh, Hebrews 12, 11 says, um, for the moment, all discipline seems play, pleasant, painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Right, so in the moment, right, this discipline and like uh, fasting or even evangelism, right, can be uncomfortable. It can be tough and challenging and costly, um, and it seems painful at the time. But uh, later, right, that that eternal perspective, that later, that it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who've been trained by it. That there is there's an end goal in mind here, right? It's not just about the present and the moment, but it's that there's a there's a bigger picture that God is working out uh, for our good and for others' good and for His glory. <clears throat> Um, so how do we do these? What are some examples? Um, Mathis says the way to receive the gift of God's empowering our actions is to do the actions. If, if he gives the gift of effort, we receive that gift by expending that effort, right? Uh, so basically, that it's living out our faith, right? It's not just talking about having it in our mind. Like, how we do them is by doing them. We, you know, I've heard Chris and Michael say a lot of times, like, you know, we know we should be reading the Bible and, and praying and everything. Okay, we can talk about it. We can learn all these ways to do it, but just go do that, right? Like, we can just go and do it. Um, and uh, uh, we'll talk more about that as we go forth, like, next week when we talk about reading the Bible um, and studying it and meditating on it. 
um, he puts some examples out. Um, uh, two of the titles he really gives us to how do we live out these habits of grace is putting yourself in the path of God's grace, um, laying yourself in the way of allurement. He gives uh, uh, just beautiful examples from Zacchaeus and Bartimaeus, right? How uh, blind Bartimaeus, uh, when he heard Jesus was coming, he put himself in the way of Jesus coming down the road, uh, in the way of the, the capital G grace, the, the, the God's grace coming down the road. He, he put himself in that way. Zacchaeus, how did he live out this grace? He, he uh, went and ran up the tree, right? And he looked up to see Jesus coming. Um, so he just encourages us, just like Zacchaeus, just like Bartimaeus, uh, to, to put ourselves in the path of God's grace. Um, some imagery he uses is like when you think of turning on a light, right? Uh, we don't supply the electricity. We can't, we, can't, uh, we can't produce God's grace. Like it's not something, again, that we can, we can earn or, or manufacture on our own, but it's something God's grace is there. It's electricity that is there, and we're to flip the light switch on and let him and his grace flow through us and into others' lives. Uh, just like turning on a faucet, right? The water flow is there, right? We can't produce that, we can't control that, but or we can't control it coming, but we can turn on the faucet and allow it to flow in and through us. And the same uh, for the analogy of the means of grace, right? Their means of grace are like a flipping of the switch. It's like a turning on the faucet. It's allowing the grace of God to flow through us, to electrify us to, to, for his glory and for, his, uh, for others' good. Um, yeah, uh, so just this encouragement, too, that these might seem ordinary, just like flipping on a switch, right, or turning on a faucet. It might seem kind of simple, like even a child can do these things. And the same you'll see here with these practices, right, of praying, of reading the Bible, of, of being in the church and the fellowship and community. Like, these are simple things that aren't necessarily the... Um, like the heroic acts that maybe I shared about in like the extreme devotion books and stuff. But it helps prepare us for when those moments do come, right? That, that these things will get us ready uh, for those simple times and also for those uh, really uh, obedient calls when our faith is really put on the line. Do we really believe what we really believe? And these means of grace uh, just encourage us in that, uh, no matter how simple and ordinary as they may seem. Uh, the key focus, again, as we do them, is to keep the gospel and the energy of God at the center, to draw in the essential and often neglected corporate aspect, the, the fellowship, and to simplify the way we think about these practices. Um, one of the things before I move on to why do we do them uh, about this book that is really important, too, is this fellowship aspect. A lot of spiritual discipline books don't talk as much about uh, the fellowship and the corporate aspect, right? It can get so personal that you can just get so focused on our individual Western mindset. You forget that, that we're called to be a body of people, that, that like the Lord's Prayer says, our Father, right? It starts off with our, not just my Father, our Father, right? So we are a body, we are people in relationships to encourage, mutually encourage one another. And that that's a really big point that uh, Chris will lead us through when he goes through what it means to belong to the church. Now, why do we do them? I, I think this is really important, right? Uh, like, if we don't know our why, then these things will be drudgery. These things will just be like, ah, like, I didn't do that, and I just feel overwhelmed. I'm not doing enough, right? We'll get so focused on ourselves that we'll forget uh, the why are we doing these things, uh, the why of, of why God, of what God has already done for us that gives us all the motivation we need to do them. Um, and so Mathis says, we do them for the glory of God, for the good of others, and the satisfaction of our souls. The aim of the Christian life is our coming to share in such Christ-likeness or godliness, which is holiness rightly understood. 
and all our exertions of effort toward this goal, that goal are gifts of grace. God gives us these great gifts of grace. It gives us what we need to be able to live holy and godly lives as we look forward to the coming of God. Um, yeah. Um, also, he says, uh, the greatest grace along these paths, right? What's the end goal? The key motivation is, is Jesus himself, right? That, that's the, the Sunday school answer. That's the answer for our lives is we do this because of Jesus, because of who he is, because of what he's done for us. The, the great end of the means is knowing and enjoying him. And uh, there's nothing better, nothing higher, nothing more purposeful and motivating than knowing and enjoying Jesus. Um, the caution he gives us is that when all of this is said and done, the hope is not to be a skilled Bible reader, though that would be a great thing, or a practice prayer and faithful church. And this is not the end goal, right? And I think we could get caught up thinking that this is what it's all about. It's just uh, being really good at reading the Bible, being really good at praying or being faithful churchmen uh, and attendance and things. But it's, be, it's to be what the Bible says, the one who understands and knows me that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. Again, it's enjoying and knowing Jesus, right? And that's going to motivate us. That's going to give us all the why we need to do these things and to glorify God. Uh, the means of grace and their good, many good expressions will serve to make us more like him, but only as our focus returns continually to Christ himself, not our own Christ-likeness. Um, yeah, uh, that's a good uh, just high-level overview, again, of just an intro to what this book is going to be about. Um, again, we'll go through hearing his voice, having his ear, and belonging to his body. And then the last fifth week here, the coda of how we live that out through our mission, through our time, through money, his money, uh, his time that he's given us. Uh, so with that, uh, let's end there. Any